Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Tennis One podcast, Miami Open edition. In case you are not aware, the Tennis One app is the official app of the Miami Open. So we're so thrilled to be a part of this amazing, incredible event, the Glam Slam, as they call it. My colleagues, Patrick Kuehl, also my co-host, and Laura Sunday are down in Miami currently. So I'm just going to kick things off for the Tennis One podcast And then Patrick will come in later. He's joined by a special guest down in Miami, live on site. So very exciting. A lot's been happening, though, at the Miami Open. But if you recall a few episodes ago, the last episode, we did a player, Miami Open player draft. So I'm going to quickly go through that just to fill you guys in on who's in the lead and who has what player left. So we'll go through. We'll start with the men's side first. So Laura currently has Stefano Tsitsipas left. She picked Felix Oje Aliasim for Netflix, Stefanos for her top 10, Francis Tiafo for her field, and Edmund for her wildcard protected ranking. She currently has seven points with Stefanos still in the draw. Patrick has... Taro Daniel as his wildcard protected ranking, who is now out. He has Daniil Medvedev, top 10, still in it. Casper Rude for Netflix, out. And then he has the Sinner-Cahill combo for the field pick with seven points as well. For me, I have Alcaraz for my top 10, still in it. Taylor Fritz for Netflix, still in it. I picked Ben Shelton for field. Dominic team for wildcard protected ranking. So now to the women's side, Laura picked Sabalenka, still in it. Maria Sakkari, Danielle Collins, and Fruvertova for her wildcard protected ranking. Collins was her field pick. Patrick picked Iga Sviantek for his top 10. Unfortunately, Iga did pull out with that injury. He had Kruger, for his wildcard protected ranking, Barbora Krejcikova for her for the field pick, and then Paula Bedosa for Netflix. He currently has three points. Laura has three points as well with Sabalenka still remaining. For me, I had Elena Rybakina for my top 10, Ons Jabur for Netflix, Kudermatova for my field, and then Montgomery for wildcard protected ranking. I currently lead the women's WTA draft with four points so pretty exciting for me for the WTA side I don't think I've actually ever been in the lead during this draft so (laughs) pretty exciting but then Laura and Patrick are tied on the ATP side at seven points apiece with me having six but I have two players left I might add but Patrick also has two players so we'll see what happens with that very exciting lots of great tennis down in Miami so Patrick is going to get into the ATP side later on in this episode with his special guests. They're going to talk all things ATP matchups and kind of give you a preview of that. So I'm going to kind of give you a little lowdown on the WTA side in case you haven't been following or if you have been watching on TV or following in the Tennis One app. Just some things to note. We possibly could have a rematch for the third time this year of Arena Sabalenka and Elena Rybakina, which would be absolutely crazy. As you all know, they just played each other 
down in Indian Wells in the final with Elena coming out with the win, obviously back in Australia in January. Sabalenka got her first Grand Slam title over Rybakina. So it is very exciting. What a rivalry this has kind of become. I don't know if people saw, but obviously after Elena took home the Indian Wells title, they give speeches. She was thinking, you know, Arena and Arena kind of stepped in jokingly saying like, this won't happen again. So they just kind of have a fun, playful little rivalry going on. So we love to see it would be incredible. That could happen because of where they are in the draws. Yeah. So that could potentially be a very strong final, but there are some girly good players still remaining in the field. Podopova still in it. Jess Pagula for the American side is still in it. She lives in Florida. So she said it's nice to be able to sleep in her own bed, get to see her dog, spend time with some family. So that's really great to see. And there are just some, some strong women. And for, for the first time in a while, obviously we know Iga Sviantek withdrew due to injury, unfortunately, because she didn't, she said to her injury happened during Indian Wells. So that's unfortunate for her because it would have been interesting to see what would have happened with this draw had she not withdrawn, but obviously we wish Iga the best and would have been cool to see her try to defend her Miami Open title. But other than that, I mean, Sabalenka and Rybakina are still really strong in this. And despite them both making the final in Indian Wells, they're playing really, really strong tennis. And not a lot of three sets, mass, three set matches for either one of them. Rybakina taking on Paula Bedosa, that one went to three kind of as expected. And that was probably her toughest match. Kvitova is still in this as well. She took down a qualifier yesterday in straight sets. So she's looking really strong this tournament. And it's kind of, it's, it's some big results for her, but she's, she also has not dropped a set thus far this tournament. So exciting to see her play some really strong tennis. Last night, the 2019 U.S. Open champion Bianca Andreescu of Canada took on Alexandrova. Unfortunately, Bianca was carried off court or was wheeled off court in a wheelchair and she was crying. So um, no speculation on exactly what her injury was, but obviously severe enough to be wheeled off is is so sad especially I was talking with Patrick this morning just because of how well she's been playing this tournament he was saying that she's pretty much back in U.S. Open form when she took home the title back in 2019 so um, her mental side obviously seems really great as well so we wish her all of the best and it's so unfortunate when that happens especially when a player is playing so well. So we wish Bianca um, a speedy recovery. And it was very hard for anybody to watch. You obviously don't want to win a match that way. So um, we wish her the best. And I hope that it doesn't require anything too severe in terms of recovery and rehabilitation for that. So other than that, we as people know, when we are the official app of tournaments, we do get the opportunity to speak with these players. So Patrick and Laura have had the chance to speak 
with both men's and women's players, the best in the world. So it's really exciting to see that. You can check those interviews out in the app, in the Tennis One app, in the Miami Open section. So those are really cool to see. But we wanted to give you guys a quick little listen to, on the women's side, Elena Rybakina. Patrick had the chance to speak with her. And here's what Elena had to say about reaching this stage of the tournament, especially after just winning Indian Wells. It's really nice to play here, a very good atmosphere. It's just uh, not easy for me coming from Indian Wells. I would prefer, of course, to have more time to prepare, but uh, overall, I'm just happy that I'm managing to win all these tough matches and, uh, yeah, uh, kind of finding my way and uh, feeling the course, uh, I guess, better. Also had the opportunity to speak with Arena Sabalenka down in Miami, so she's always a fun one to chat with. Um, she gives lots of personality. If you haven't seen her on-court interviews or any press conferences, she definitely is very true to herself. So Patrick and Laura also spoke with her, and here's what she had to say. I mean, I've been working so hard for this Grand Slam, and uh, when I won it, I felt like, Ooh, yes, at least one, at least one in my career, at least I won one. And it's it's just gave me so much belief and so much, uh, I don't know, like, I would say like men mental power. So yeah, I feel really strong right now. We did want to mention one ATP player in particular, Christopher Eubanks, who just is going to crack into the top 100, which is so huge for him. We want to congratulate him because just seeing the type of person he is and the type of support he gets from many players, Coco Goff being one of them. She's, she's close with him. It's cool to see. She actually posted last night on her story, just in support of him, congratulating him. It looked like they were, they were actually on a FaceTime call together. So um, he, yeah, with his win last night, will make it into the top 100 for the first time in his career. He came from the qualifying rounds, is now into the fourth round of the Miami Open. He's been on tour since 2017. So huge results for Eubanks, the American. He's so well-liked on tour. Mike Cation, Blair Henley have spoke very highly of him and basically have said to expect great things from him. So we love to see it. Congratulations, Chris. And... Patrick also Patrick and Laura also had the opportunity to speak with him in Miami and here's what he had to say following that amazing and milestone win last night. Growing up I never really felt like I was like the best in my area, best in the state, best in my I was one of, but I never was the best. And it was kind of, even in college, like one of my goals, I really wanted to be number one in the country. I didn't get there. And, you know, so I was always kind of one of the top, one of the better. Um, so it just, I think to some degree, it just, I was never really the overly confident tennis player. I knew that I had a game style that on any day I could go out there and upset almost anybody. If I'm serving well, I like my chance against anybody. I knew that I had that game on any day, but in order to be, I feel like at the top of you have to have a, a certain level of consistency, and that's something that I always kind of question about myself. Am I consistent? Am I more just like a shot maker who will get hot for a day or two, but can't sustain it? And I think this is just evident of a lot of the work that I've been putting in, like coach we've been putting in, just honestly just having faith that it's gonna pay off. I mean that's probably just the biggest thing. It's something that I've questioned a lot of myself the past few weeks. Um, I took some tough losses, kind of questioning like am I really this good? Like am I was never as good as I thought I was, but you know, just kinda of having that constant doubt and like now 
that was kind of, kind of going to the wayside. I actually feel like I belong here, and I definitely want to stay for sure. Well, that'll do it for the WTA side, filling you in on the draft. I'm going to get it down to Patrick and our special guest down in Miami. So thanks, you guys, for listening. And Patrick is going to take it from here and get you prepped for the ATP side. All right, I'm sitting out here with Patrick Cool of Tennis One. Patrick, we're going to do a little dual podcast today, a little double duty. You got to pl- plug the Tennis One podcast before we get started here. Tennis One, yeah, we just started it in January. So Madison Golden and myself at Tennis One, we've just been doing it for fun, trying to talk about tennis as often as possible. And, you know, kind of in a little more fun way. We don't do a lot of X's and O's. Nate, I will say, is much better at that. We just try to uh, we talk about the gossip and, you know, just just anything that's kind of going around tennis. And we're at a lot of tournaments like the Miami Open. So we're down here right now hanging with Nate. Madison does a lot of the... Uh behind the scenes content with like the, the who's dating who who's doing the off-court content she knows it all so i i, I do need to get with madison because that stuff has always interested me as well but yeah check out the tennis one podcast guys but today we want to give you guys a little bit of a recap of what's happened during week one of the miami open as well as a little bit of a preview of what's to come uh, obviously we just got done watching a loaded weekend of action i found myself on grandstand almost every day for multiple matches so far get me up to this point what, is, what have been like your two kind of highlights of, of the tournament and kind of the behind-the-scenes action that you've been able to see? Well, I'll give you just one match, and I would definitely say Kokonakis Hercatch was totally rowdy. People love Kokonakis down here. I mean, if you go to any of the matches where a South American player is playing, it's, it's just... Honestly, it's lit. It's really fun to be at. But Kokonakis, and he even said A lot said of fans were there. That's, that was the yeah. key, is they were rowdy for that. Yeah, and Kokonakis even said after his first win down here that he kind of feels like he's Latin because so many people are rooting for him. So, you know, I, he saved like six set points in the first set. Kokonakis did, won that set. Every set went to a tie break. He had match points and, and wasn't able to get it done, but super fun for sure. Give me your favorite interview quote that you've gotten from a player up to this point. You've interviewed a lot of players every day, uh, and I've been able to watch you kind of work your magic. Who's given you the most interesting scoop of the tournament? That is a good question. You know, honestly, I really like... You're pulling up your Instagrams, looking at the TikToks, or the the reels, to see who, who gave you that top quote. You guys have been posting a ton of content. Guys, check out the Tennis One app on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we've been doing a lot of players, so I had pulled up just to kind of refresh my memory. But I will say we've done Andreescu a few times, and she's she's just super fun. She's so just like great personality, really bubbly. You know, we asked her about like when have you been you know such a big bug protector? Because there was like a little bee on the court, and she like held up the match. She's like, no, we got to get this thing. Don't kill it. Let's get this thing carried off to safety. None of the ball runners wanted to be the one to pick up the B, and so it was like literally the third person finally said, "Okay, I'll do it." <laughs> so you know, we talked to her about that kind of stuff. Sitsy Pass is like that too, man. Yeah, I, I would be a, I would be pretty bubbly and happy if I was playing as well as Bianca Andrescu is right now too. Took out Emma Raducanu in round one. Took out Maria Sakari in round two. Uh, obviously, two of the biggest names in the women's then, tennis. Yeah, and then Kennan, right? Didn't she? Play oh, and then Kennan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just beat Kennan in straight sets. Um, yeah, so she's 3-0 and this week. It's a, it's a title that she's won before, I believe, right? 
Uh, she, let's see. Let's think. So she won Indian Wells the year she won the U.S. Open, 2019. Yeah. Okay. Has she won Miami? I think she maybe made a final. Maybe she made a final. I think that year she made the final, but we're gonna have to pull that up. We're gonna have to pull Dude, that up. Anyway, so another another matchup that I'm looking forward to on this slate. Actually, there's two of them. Both of them are popcorn tennis. Holger Rune plays Taylor Fritz, the top American. That's a top ten matchup. Is and this is in round four, which is crazy. And then you got Carlitos Alcaraz versus Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul, he's sneaky right now. In the singles race, he is number five this year. He is making a real push. The last 52 weeks, he's played like a top 10. Or sorry, since January, he's played like a top 10 player. He's 16 and five. He's won 76% of his matches. Tommy Paul is playing phenomenal. I thought it was really interesting that Carlos kind of gave him the love in the presser yesterday after his match against uh, Lajovic. Just kind of saying he's one of the uh, few players uh, that he really takes time to watch and kind of admires the game and the fluidity and how easy the, the game looks for Tommy. Yeah, well, and he's playing great in doubles too. I mean, he's playing with he's playing with Ben job. Shelton down here, which is sick. Obviously, they played in the quarters at the Australian Open this year, and then, and then Tommy went on to the semis. But they just beat Ram and Salisbury yesterday, which that is a legit doubles team, obviously. So, yeah, Tommy's Tommy's playing well both sides. That's I, I really do. That's a good point, Bram. I've been to the, both those doubles matches they played so far, and I think that like it helps your singles game so much, especially at that level where like Tommy's next kind of the next transition for him to get to that top 10 ranking is to kind of push forward more, dictate more, and finish off in the front court. And that is like what you're able to work on in doubles because there's not, a much, there's not as much pressure on a guy like him and Sheldon who are obviously trying to make their living primarily on the singles court. But those guys are going to go out there, have fun. They're bringing the energy. And um, I think Tommy, like him and Sheldon, I asked him, you know, when did you guys become a pairing? He said as soon as that match was over in Australia, they kind of they kind of mentioned it. Um, and actually, Sheldon was planning to play with Tiafo, who who bailed on him late, and it kind of worked out for him and Tommy to get together here. So that's a fun pairing. Those guys are, I mean, two Yonix guys. So two, yeah. the the V core and the E zone out there. Yeah, tough scene. Tommy was obviously with Wilson for a, a long number of years, and then uh, if you're a Wilson, you hate to see the guy switch right when he breaks out. But that's how it goes. So yeah. Patrick is a former employee of Wilson who is uh, loyal to the W. That's right. He's uh, you know Tommy was a blade user for a long time, and now he's with the V core. A, a transition that he said he made in Australia. He brought six rackets down to to Australia, three and three. Uh, he said if he was playing poorly after a week or so in Adelaide, or I believe that was Adelaide, he was gonna, or yeah, he said he was gonna switch back. That was not the case. He played pretty well, and then went on to have his best run of his career. So I think it's safe to say he's gonna be a Yonex guy. Yeah, and it's cool to see Tommy. Like, you know, he's always been super talented, and even Fritz was saying this in the press conference yesterday. That Tommy, they've all known that Tommy has this in him, you know, and just now Fritz thought he's not giving away any cheap games anymore. Obviously, I think the big thing is he's doing all the off-court stuff right. Um, Tommy was pretty young when he turned pro, so, you know, that comes with some, Mentally, some things. Mentally, way yeah. more locked in. I mean, he, yeah, he, like, he was up a break yesterday in the second set, gave the break back. The, tw the, the Tommy from two years ago would have been super flustered and just kind of broken out of patterns maybe and kind of pressed a little bit. This Tommy Paul is just trusting his game he, 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 you don't even see him looking to the box very often anymore he just is so locked in mentally and he's just playing so free uh he doesn't feel like i mean he's got he's got all the tools in his bag i mean he has everything he's got the power game he's got the finesse he's got the footwork and the speed to defend a little yeah, to he's defend in great shape for sure that, that's yeah. i think that's his biggest asset is how good of shape he's in yeah i mean the guy's obviously lightning quick and uh, i think just all the work he's put in the gym over the last like year and a half two years maybe is just uh yeah it's paying dividends for sure so give me your predictions on the men's side. It's a, uh, a loaded slate. 
If you need the draw, yeah. I got you right here. Uh, yeah. I, I, I went old school, brought out the printed draws today. Hey, man. We're actually, guys, we're sitting out here on a lounge overlooking the entire Miami Open campus. It is a beautiful day out here. I would highly suggest you guys come to this tournament if you guys have some time in the next however many years. But give me some predictions. we got a loaded top half of the draw with Carlos, Tommy, Fritz, Rune, uh, Sinner, and Rublev. That top half is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, out of the top half, wow. I mean, Fritz was saying how he's never played Rune. He actually literally said, like, I don't even know what to make of his game yet. So that'll be an interesting test for Taylor. He did say uh, he was going to have to play some offense. He, he's yeah. going to have to dictate. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that top half is crazy. I, You know, this is chalk, but I got to go Alcaraz. The guy just seems to be playing on a, a totally different level. And, and, like, for Indian Wells, we sat on our tennis one draft like nobody picked him because we thought maybe he's still harboring some injuries and stuff like that but now the guy looks like he's just i don't know fresh and, and playing amazing so i i'd probably go with with alcaraz maybe we get a center alcaraz semi which that, we, we want more of those for th sure those never disappoint that is seems to be the uh the rivalry of this next decade yeah i mean you just want to see center win some of those just to make it a rivalry right yeah, and, that's true. and uh so Sinner's been in a lot of big matches and, and has won some of them, but obviously the, the U.S. Open was sort of the famous one, and um, yeah, hopefully we get, kind of get to see some of that. And now, in the what do you think on the back half here? The back, so I, I like. I mean, it's, it's super tough to pick against Carlos in the top half. I don't understand like how you can feel comfortable about going against the guy that seems invincible at this point. Um, I don't know where. You, like, if you're coaching against Carlos, like if you're Brad Stein today, I don't know what you're telling Tommy to kind of zero in on is like the the kind of uh, points of emphasis that you can kind of make him uncomfortable. I don't know where that is. It, I mean, obviously you have to make him. You have to, you have to play offense. That's that's the no break. Like you have to make him run. But it's like Carlos is just he doesn't give you many balls to, to really step in and, and press up on. So uh, the back, I'll, I'll take Carlos from the top half. Bottom, I mean, this is a tr this is where it gets tricky. I mean, can Felix, who's made seven straight quarters at Masters level, can he finally break through? Uh, it's something that he hasn't done yet to this point in his career. Sitsipas, I do not see coming out of this half. He just does not look healthy. Hitting way too many slice backhands on, on a faster hard court. I think that'll uh, end up hurting him. Garin had a lot of chances, had an overhead, and then double faulted uh, to, to lose his serve at uh, four, four piece in the set, in the third set. Um, so I think Sitsipas is looking like he, against Hachinov, who I think will uh, yeah, hopefully face Hachinov. That's not going to be a fun matchup, a guy that's going to be able to rip to his backhand. Um, so out of the bottom half, give me Hachinov, or, so this is, uh, yeah, out of the, in the quarters, I'll go, or sorry, the semis, give me Hachinov, I think he takes out Felix, and he'll play Medvedev, I think that's, I mean, I think we're going to see, uh, there's a good chance we see Medi and Carlos again, that's a very boring prediction, um, unless Herk, I don't think Herkac has the fire, so I think Herkac gets through Manorino, gets through the winner of Eubanks and Beret, and then he's going to face Medi. That's not a matchup that I like QB in. And then, I mean, maybe Felix maybe Felix can come through. He just, I mean, he was on the ropes against Montero in both sets. I, he ended up pulling it out on back-to-back -back breakers. I'll, I'm going to go chalk, though, pretty much. I mean, I know uh, Medi is the four seed, but I feel like him and Carlos have been the best players on the hard courts the last couple weeks. I think we're, we're going to see a potential rematch of Indian Wells. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just go opposite of Chalk just, you know, for some fun. Yeah. I mean, 
Sarundalo, who's going to play Felix today. That's a fun matchup. Sarundalo made the semis here last year, right? Yeah. I mean, that was his total breakout tournament. He never even won an ATP Tour level match on hardcore before he played the Miami Open. And That's then he, crazy. he made the semis. So he likes it here. Obviously, he just played against Felix at Indian Wells and lost. I think it was, you know, two close sets. But so, you know, maybe that'll serve him well. And, and you know what? The crowds here, again, for the South American players are just so rowdy and, and fun. And he's going to. Especially gonna, Argentina. Yeah. yeah especially Argentina, so Francisco's going to have a lot of support there. So A ton of media from Argentina. That's what I was like, wow, in the media room there's so many people from Argentina. Yeah, I mean, this is the South American slam for sure. You know, that's what that's kind of what they say, and it's uh, you got to go to those matches if you're coming here as a fan. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's I'm like college. Uh, it is. It is like a college match. I mean, they have organized chants, which American fans have not been able to conquer yet. That That is like where we're losing on this front. They have, I mean, it doesn't matter when I was in New York. I heard it at the uh, Tabilo Wolf match. When I'm here, you hear it for, I mean, all of the South Americans. Gurin just had Hard Rock Stadium in, a, in kind of a full flare, but I'm bummed that this is going to be my last piece of content of the week. It's been uh, a hell of a week. Fun to commemorate it with a, uh, a double vodka <laughs> drink on the, on the road before I hit this flight. But, Patrick, uh, appreciate you for t- tuning in with us. This will be uh, fun to keep doing these as we go forward to other Masters. And, um, yeah, I know you guys crushed it this week on the app. I know it's the app that I use, guys. The, the official app of the Miami Open is Tennis One. Uh, live scores, interviews. Um, what else? What, yeah, what else? I do mean, you guys? we have match highlights. We do our own interviews down here, in addition to having the, the clips from a lot of the official press conferences. So, yeah, check us out. We've been around for like two years, so you know, still a lot to improve. But like, it's a it's an app that has a lot of people at it that, that love tennis and just love to promote as much as possible. And it's great to partner with with Nate and Tennis Point and and groups like that that love the sport as well. And it's been awesome to see what you guys are doing for sure. So you guys are everywhere. I mean, even where I played my college <laughs> tennis spring break, Nate was there like last week or a week yeah. before. So. No, I've been, it's been, I've been on the roads since March 3rd, so it's, it's been a long month, but I've had a lot of fun. I appreciate it with Tennis Points. I know we're trying a lot to grow the game in any way we can possible. Uh, it's been the fun part of my job is it's like that was my goal when I started, and it's my goal has never changed, so we'll see what, what we can do. Um, but Tennis One, last nugget, a top 35 sports app this week as far as downloads and users. Pretty cool stat for you guys. Um, but, yeah, ha- have a great day, guys. Appreciate you guys for tuning in for a dual podcast, a Tennis One and Pure Tennis Podcast. Hope you guys will enjoy the rest of the Miami Open, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. It's been fun.